record. to yourself. How are you doing, Steve? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing fantastic. We're in for a great episode tonight, Ross. Are we? And, and why And why is that? Because we have a lot of things, that, as you know, that are happening uh, that there are to talk about. Okay, so we are, you know, we're taping this on Wednesday, releasing it on Wednesday. So I think hot in the news a couple days ago was the infamous Alex Jones, Megyn Kelly interview where alternative media completely clowned uh, legacy media. And I guess, you know, would you like to tackle, you know, why is that? Why do we see legacy media just like flailing like some like 57-year-old man getting caught in the undertow of the ocean? Can't do a thing to save himself. And, you know, why is new media flourishing? Why is legacy media failing? We knew this was going to happen for a long time. But, you know, maybe maybe tonight we discuss the reasons why and what to look for and who are the names to look for as alternative media supplants dinosaur mainstream media for good. Yeah, and I think one other topic to, to really also we, should, we definitely need to cover, which is timely, is the, the Georgia 6th uh, District uh, Ossoff election. Yeah, that was, wow. I, I just saw something on Zero Hedge. It was, uh, hey, um, hey, pollsters, quit, quit lying on your polls. Quit oversampling. They showed the gap was like four points in favor of um, the runner-up. What's his name? Jack Ossoff. I'm not making Jack. like a, I'm not making a corny joke either. Like, what's his name? Jack Meoff. Jack Meoff. Um, he was up like four points in the last week, and then in the end, he got handled by six percentage points. That's a ten percentage point no swing. Pun no, pun no pun intended. So that's a ten point swing on the polls. So when you and I were saying, "Oh, Trump's going to win in November," and everyone's like, "Oh, it's ninety eight percent chance Hillary's going to win." That's just what the news is saying. The polls don't lie. Well, well yeah, they did. They they lied a lot. They did. They lied a lot. It's it's fake news. So, um, you know, just something to keep in mind, Nate Silver of 538.com, remember that site that was very prescient in 2012, has zero credibility now. They were wrong on everything for the past year. 
Um, and then Nate Silver was just like, you know, he was in meltdown mode last night because he had a 70% chance that uh, Jack Mioff would win. And then in the end, uh, he, he was wrong again. So, you know, so- and, you know as, I, as I like to kind of put it, and I broke it down this morning, is that, you know, I, the way I look at it, it was really, you know, if, if, if you pit, you know, especially the title, if it was, if it was uh, sports ball politics, the two teams that were playing were led by, you know, the super team of Handel, uh, Donald Trump, and Russia, and they were going up against us, uh, uh, Mioff, Democrats, and Hollywood. And the team of the Kratz, Hollywood, and Ossoff got smoked. They got smoked. I mean, and, and, and all of, there's been four runoff elections since Trump was inaugurated. And what's, the, what's, on, what's the scoreboard, Ross? So, like, and let's frame this before you give the score, right? Because, you know, for you know, all the intellectual people out there that clearly could see that this whole thing, you know, Russia, Trump being horrible – they would clearly come out to save our country from its dire straits in these next four elections, no matter where they are across the country, right? right. So with that being said, and all the horrible things that Trump has said and done and, and put our country in jeopardy, it must be 4-0 against Trump. And so, Ross, why don't you go ahead and tell us what the score is? score is Trump and the Republicans 4, the Democrats uh-huh. 0. But no, no, the the intellectuals said it. I mean, Trump's just going to be a disaster, and and the American public hates him for nothing. Trump for nothing. Republicans. And that's important, right? And and I think it's a great segue, and we don't have to necessarily go there now, but it's a great segue into how mainstream media is just getting the crap kicked out of them, and people just don't take them seriously anymore. Right. You know, and and it's really the same thing with Hollywood, which you know I kind of look at as the same thing. It's all a, it's all a, it's all a sham. You know, I've always said about mainstream media, even when I was a little kid, I was thought it was weird how, you know, these people would get all dressed up and makeup on their face, right? Like they were actors, yep. right? That's what I recognize. I go, who, who puts on makeup on their face besides like my mom and my sisters and like other girls, right? This is when I was a little kid. And it's like, you know, actors and actresses and, and, and people in the media on TV. And I thought that was weird, right? Because they were just reading the news or what was the news and it was just you know it's just always a weird thing for me yeah so what it what it finally comes full circle at least in my lifetime of 36 years that we're now at a point where these same people are being laughed at there's just time and time again where they've been exposed right, right? and i think the internet was something that they just weren't prepared for uh and i think as, as we get into that segment about why they're getting the crap kicked out of them i think that's going to be a big factor it is it is and it, it was evident like so in the lead up to last night there were actually two races there was a south carolina and a georgia race both went as we said republican and again it's not to spike the football but it's to say you have the media aligned on one side saying uh oh these are important referendums on the trump presidency and, and they usually are. And usually, as we've said in a couple episodes so far, usually the party in power gets their ass kicked at the midterms. So conventional wisdom says, okay, Trump won, blah, blah, blah. 2018, the Democrats will, will beat the crap out of the Republicans, as we've seen in countless elections before when a new president comes in. However, 
this bellwether, these four bellwether elections have gone the opposite of what conventional wisdom tells us. I mean, those that are hip and woke knew this was going to happen, but the media is a little, little behind, a couple steps behind. And they don't see this. They didn't see it in November. They didn't see it with Brexit. They didn't see it with the populist movements, the nationalist movements. They have, they're just a couple steps behind, and they're clueless. And you look at the pictures of the CNN people last night, and they just look like they were hit by a truck because it was so shocking to them. Like CNN, I don't know if you saw this, Ross, but I think I posted this. CNN on CNN.com put out a poll for their readership saying, you know, how many of you believe that Trump should be investigated for now, right? It's not now the Russia collusion. It's obstruction of justice, right? That's, yep. the, that's the next thing. And it was kind of overwhelming how, you know, it was about 2.6 or 7, uh, you know, million votes that were cast. And it was an overwhelming 70% no. Right. And this is CNN. So CNN. CNN. A, it's the equivalent of MSNBC. It might as well have been, right? Right, right. So when you see that, with an overwhelmingly overwhelmingly partisan cable outfit, something should go off in their heads. I mean, you've seen they've done uh, you know live interview people immediately after a speech on CNN, and how many people think this this about Donald Trump? And he was expecting a negative answer, and he got like ninety percent of the room to raise their hand and say it was a positive. Like there's just this disconnect, and and the people just aren't buying into whatever the media is saying. And it's very amusing to watch. It's very amusing. So, but I mean, do we want, so, so, you know. I think they're wrong, but I mean, you know, again, we'll get into this too, but I think it's, you know, it's people like us, right? This is what, this is what people are turning to. It's, it's real people. It's doing real things. You know, a lot of people, you know, either aren't so into it that they're going to spend the amount of time that you and I just might like doing it because we're fascinated by it, right? For yep. whatever reason that is. But they want to stay in the know, right? So what's been happening, and I feel like they've been, they felt like they've been taken advantage of and they've been abused, right, by the mainstream media. Yep. So what they do is they turn to alternative places like podcasts and the internet. Yep. Um, and, I, and I think that that's, that's becoming the new, the new mainstream media, right? Right, right. And I think tonight we're going we're gonna to go over what does the new media look like? What does the old media look like? When do you know you're being chumped? What is fake news? What is real news? And who are the people to look for uh, in order to wake yourself up? So, you know, what I've done, because I'm a dweeb, um, I kind of, I listed some of the dominating new media, alternative media folks. Uh, I named names of the old media. And then we can yeah, just make... something that we should have in an infographic that we would put out on our website, Ross. That would be awesome. And, and so stay tuned on the website, iTunes front. Uh, we are getting other stuff in line so that we can just move beyond just sharing on Facebook. Uh, we have a lot of media coming your way, um, complete with visual infographics. So, but you know, when, when I think of new media, uh, I think of—and correct me where I'm off base, Steve—but you know, led by Alex Jones. Make fun of him all you want, but the man has woken up tens of millions of people. He's on the president's Rolodex. I am proud to say that I am a daily. Alex Jones listener. Yep. Um, I have been for, I want to say the past nine years, Jesus, almost a full decade now. 
I would have. No, no, I would think not, fifteen no, no, years for you. That's not true. I, I want to say it's more like a half a decade plus. I want to say I'm more in like the plus six year range because I remember even watching something recently where he had just got on public radio in Austin in 2001. Yep. And then I'm thinking I'm more like 2004, 2005, where I think I found him. Yep. Yeah, you knew about him a decade before we were regularly listening to him. Oh, that would even put him. Yeah, yeah. No, so that no. I'm sorry. I'm talking about um, we're 2017. I'm sorry, 2013, 2014. Okay. But anyways, I don't want to get caught in the, yeah. in the years. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think that he has he has really broke the mold for what alternative media is. He has, and and a lot of people. The and this is where this is where that break off occurs between traditional legacy media and news media and the alternative internet space. He was always branded the conspiracy theorist. And to some extent, he still is. I mean, we uh, there's no use in denying it. I have no problem doing that. But people will say, oh, that's Alex Jones. He's fake news. But what they don't say is they'll they'll gravitate to the Sandy Hook thing, which I think he's just being stubborn. Just say Lonza didn't act alone and be done with it. Uh, instead, he starts thinking at like a four-dimensional chess level and wargaming and spitballing. And it's like, dude, just... Just move on from this. You don't have to cover every single angle of it. Speak your piece and move on. And, and that's what the Megyn Kelly thing was all about because there is footage that's now been released. She was there for 10 hours with her crew and, and said, Alex, on the phone, Alex, I'm not here to do a hit piece on you. It's not going to be a gotcha piece. I want to do a colorful magazine-style profile of you because you're waking a lot of people up. I want to see what you're all about. Your divorce case, you know, won me over. You're a regular guy, blah, blah, blah. He could see through the bullshit. So what he did was like any intelligent new media personality, he recorded it. He, she came to his studio. He recorded it. And anything she aired, he countered with the actual footage before it was spliced together. I mean, this is what old media does. They take 10, right. 15 hours of footage and they cut it down to about 7 to 10 to 15 minutes of actual footage for airing. And that's why old media is getting their ass kicked. Everything is overly produced. You know that's Ross, Ross, let, and let's just rebrand it because you know what that's called now. There's a word for that because that's not news. That's called propaganda. Yeah, it is. It's all staged in a room. There's all makeup. And again, Alex and his crew put on makeup. I've seen the backstage of where they work. But you know, at the end of the day, they're not overly producing anything. They will tape something on a Tuesday, and by Tuesday night, it's airing. These people will work through the night to air it. When you see something on Megyn Kelly's show or 2020 or 60 Minutes, they tape these things two months in advance. They chop it down. They have a staff of 10 editing it down to make it look uh, palatable for a general audience. Uh, they make sure that, for instance, if they want to show someone in a negative light and a villain, they call it villain lighting. They'll, they'll, they'll film from the side. They'll... They'll make it look like the person's 25 pounds heavier than they really are. They'll put a heat lamp over their head so they start sweating. And that's exactly what happened to Alex Jones. He didn't acquit himself very well the other night about the Sandy Hook. He was all over the place like he's always been with that particular issue. But he had a heat lamp on him, so it looked like he was sweating profusely. And that's part of the setup. That's part of the staging of what they do for these interviews. They know when someone's going in as a sympathetic party – uh, and they know if someone's going in as a villain. And what Megyn Kelly did was she said, this is not going to be a hit piece. Uh, and Alex said, well, you're going you're gonna to interview families of Sandy Hook. You're going to make this about Sandy Hook the whole time. 
She's like, no, 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 we'll, we'll touch on it, but we're not going to be obsessed with it. Well, she asked about 17 questions with variations of Sandy Hook, and then she interviewed families and juxtaposed it against the video of Alex talking about it. And in the end, he ultimately said, yeah, kids probably died. Boom, end of story. But instead, people talk about, oh, well, why do you hate the families of Newtown victims? And that's ex they're trying to frame it so that he's a kook, don't listen to him, get your news from us, we're the purveyors of truth, and, and just take a, take a big shot at alternative media. And it backfired. Her ratings were 3.5 million. A rerun of America's Funniest Home Videos got better ratings than the Megyn Kelly Sunday Night Show. There were a lot of people that were boycotting that, which I think is hilarious, and it ties into, you know, just how intolerant the left has become. Oh, totally. This goes to your point about ending an, an I at the end of L LGBTQ, uh, because there, there's no, a lot no, of... at the beginning. It's intolerant at the beginning. Of ah, the yes. Okay. So the you overarching... Know, it, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to get off on that, but we should talk about it, because it's, you know, every... And I've met, you know, and I've had, I, I do, or I thought I had friends in that community, but it's like, listen, I don't have friends in any community. I don't care who they are or what color or creed or I don't give a shit. But when you're intolerant of other people's views that are your own, and you then, not only on top of that, but on top of that, you then take your views and try to shove them down my or other people's throats. I have a problem with that. Yep. I have a problem with that. Yep. I do. Yep. Right? I mean, that's part of that's part of uh, being the libertarian in me is like, I've never had a problem. I'll always back you up no matter who you are, fill it in the blank. But it's just like anyone else, whenever you start, you know, putting your stuff on other people and telling them how they have to act, that's a problem. Right. And that's, I think, what a lot of people in the conservative community are getting woke like myself, I mean, I was more traditional conservative uh, Christian. I'm still a Christian. I'll always be a Catholic Christian, uh, <laughs> to, to your chagrin, Steve. But at the end of the day, I'm backing off some of the stuff that, you know, I, I don't want to force morality on others. I'll force it on my immediate family, but doesn't leave the house. I mean, if it leaves the house, it, it means, you know, whatever with the kids. But, you know, I'm not going to judge someone the way I used to probably judge people. And I would expect the same in return for me. Um, so it's it's an ongoing learning. I, 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 going back to this, you know, I, I find it fascinating and you know sad at the same time. And it, it, what's fascinating and sad, we'll get into the fascinating part first about the LGBT community is like you know just like any community, they're split on themselves and they're fractured already. And you know, it's like what Trump has done in a lot of places, right? So. You know, why I've been so disgusted by them, and I've and I've posted stuff recently about it, is because you know here you have this pride parade that they're throwing, and so you know here's a group of Trump supporters that are uh, in the community that you know want to march, and the organizers wouldn't let them because they don't believe in Trump. Yep, I saw that. I mean, that's right? terrible. That's real. That's real. Yep. That's real. What's fascinating about that, that's the sad part, right? What's fascinating about that, and it's, I think it's a psychology thing, is, you know, by no means am I a psychologist, but, you know, maybe an amateur psychologist, I like to study people, is, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, and there's probably a definition for this in the, in the real, you know, technical world of this science of the people who experience, uh, you know, a certain behavior 
you know, even when they get that overturned and they shed light on that and so people shun that and get behind them, it's almost like they're indoctrinated with it and they're so easily uh, able to display it. Right. You know, rather than, you know, where my point of view comes in, I think they should be aware of it and therefore strike it out all over the place. Right. Right. Especially in their own community, right? Especially since you were the ones that were victims to it, so you would feel like, you know, I mean, it's uh, the word, you know, and I, I think I rail against hypocrisy, right? It's very hypocritical, if nothing else, that hey, you're all upset that these people won't let you do, you know, whatever. In this case, get married at churches, uh, you know, get, you know, file taxes, file X, uh, adopt children get uh, cakes baked for you for your wedding, right? Yep. Like, fill in the blank where, you know, they're railing against it on American, not, you know, uh, you know, not Christian, uh, not moral, not, you know, all, not all of these things, yet it's some of the first signs where they're in their own community and they can really show pride, and, you know, for the things that they fought up for, it's they it's like they take on the abusers or at least a certain group of them right takes on the abusers role right uh, and they inflict that same pain and psychology on the group that they that they disagree with and they're right. totally oblivious to the fact that they're doing it and it, it and that's why it's fascinating you know i think it's fascinating that, that a group of people would be so you know, so uh, not aware that they would do that, right? It, it just c- kind of bleed that hypocrisy. Right. And I can't stand that. And, you know, and again, it's not just things that I'm reading. I have people in my own inner circle that are part of this community that I'm seeing the same thing. They're some of the most intolerant people that I know. Yep. No, I, I've observed it too. I've observed it too. Uh, party of tolerance, my ass. I mean, you see it at college campuses. You saw the person, I forget which university, but you know, they're, they're, they're professors being asked to stand down because they show, they show a defense of free speech and they're being asked to be fired and resign and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's, it's an epidemic. And I'm, I'm, I don't know what to say because it, I know the generation that's now in college is being real pussified and it's it's only going to breed a generation of people that I believe think it's that. The, the new word, Ross, because that's like a word that you just shouldn't use, Ross. Ugh. The new word is cuckified. Cuckified. Used to be pussified. Now it's cuckified. Now it's upgraded to cuckified. Cuckified. So that's I mean that's where we're heading, and that's it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. And just I just want to see it play out. That's a, it's a popcorn moment. I just want to see it play out. So, so real life, real life, Ross, real life question. You know, you're you're going through and making these decisions with Colleen right now, uh, or you should be at least be starting to think about this as your kids get older. You know, are 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 you preparing, and are you guys uh, have the expectations right now that your kids are going to college, and that's the path that they're going? Um. Yeah. The college. If it's aligned to what their interests are, how we do the college thing, uh, still to be seen. But we're going to know in high school what their aspirations are. If it's more skill set related, they'll go to some type of vocational. Uh, if and it's... you're okay with that. So, so the answer is no. 
you know, it, it, like like where we're from uh, in Massachusetts, where it's kind of I feel like people were kind of pushed into it just because, right? I don't care what you uh, want to do, this is what you're doing because this is what people do. Right, right. right. So you're not adopting that. Is that what I? Well, I mean, it's I'm leaning heavily towards the college route, but there's no judgment if they don't do it. I just want them the hell out of my house. So that's kind of that's what's winning now, the how day. Would your parents feel if, how would your parents feel if you if they heard you say, "Hey, you know, I, I'm okay if you don't go to college." Um, I think that generation would be a little bit like, "Whoa, but but you're supposed to." So you, so do you, do you think if, if your mom heard you say that to your children, that you would be mortified in some ways? Um, I don't want to necessarily speak for my mom because she may be listening. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now, I don't think live. Uh, well, yeah, but um, I, I don't know. There would probably be, and this is this could be anyone's parent where they there's silent judgment, like, oh, I really wish they would have just gone the college route because you see all the stats about your you know probability of making X Y Z amount of money, but now that's all in a tinge. Like what stats? Like as we've seen stats and polls. Like I want to revisit that stat. I do too, actually. I Bullshit. one of the things. Let's, let's talk about the two richest people in America and where did they fall? How come they? What, how much weight did they put on that that bullshit of, of that stat, right? The two richest people in America, Bill Gates and Zuckerberg. Right now, Mark Zuckerberg yeah. were well on his way, both college dropouts from Harvard. Right, and I don't know what Bezos's thing was, but but you're right, they are college dropouts. Great, how right? How and they're they're combined billions and billions of dollars. How much does that weight the non-college uh, person right now? Right? How much weight on the opposite side, the trillions of dollars in college debt, how much weight does that weigh on whether it's a good idea to go through that process? Right? Well, well, that's true. They, they had, a, they had a, a zeal and a skill set that was unique. And if they knew they had it before college started, what's wrong with Americans going straight to living that dream out? You know what I mean? Because I, I, as time goes on, I, 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 the whole college thing – I mean, you go out and you outwork people, you have innovative ideas, you can become book smart. I joke with people, I learned more from Zero Hedge than I did in grad school uh, for my MBA. I mean, and I, I mean that God's honest truth. I learned more at Zero Hedge, the website, than at Suffolk University and Fairfield University in business school. And it's not a knock on the universities, but it's like if you put your head down and you study any book you want, you can learn something. You don't, right, need, true. you don't need an old professor coughing up a lung, spitting phlegm everywhere, telling you about what international marketing is or, or how to value something uh, using, you know, net present value. Like that stuff you can learn in a book, you can learn in some funky PowerPoint slides, and you go and you friggin' apply it. And I, I don't need to go $120,000 into debt like I did uh, to get those answers. So there's a big case, and Marco Rubio, to his credit, pushed for more vocational funding, and I thought that was a really good idea. It just didn't really go anywhere. I would love it if Trump went that route as well. Well, maybe that's something that he is going to go down. That'll be interesting to see. It will. It will. So, but I guess that rabbit hole aside, that could be another podcast altogether. Like, yeah, how do we, we that. how do we fix the college tuition thing? Come to come to come to battle with ideas, and let the readers and listeners give some thought as well. That'd be a fascinating episode. So, 
But we are so so getting back to you know old versus new media. I mean, people say, what is old media? You know, you would like what's your idea of old media? Dinosaur legacy mainstream media, lamestream media. Yeah, I think it's newspapers. I think it's your ABC, CBS, NBC. Um, you know, it, it, and I think that that's really the dinosaur media. And then you kind of have your newer, quote unquote, uh, you know, CNN, uh, MSNBC. Right? These are all more new things. Yeah, and even Fox and News. Fox News, I are going to root of the dinosaur. I consider Fox News. Fox News is legacy as well. I mean, you're they're cratering in ratings. They're old school. You saw it in this election cycle. They were a little slow in the uptake. Um, they, this is not like a Democrat-Republican thing. It's just an old versus new. You know, right. Fox is legacy as well. They're the newest form of it, but they're going to be dustbin um, in the next decade. So I'm going to throw them in the old media category. Um, but what is new media? Like, wh- who is going to replace these people? These networks, it used to be the newspapers, it used to be the broadcast network news, now it's the cable news, that's the new version of legacy media. It's going to be replaced by internet, Twitter, Facebook, social media-based content. And, and we're seeing it explode, more so on the libertarian side than the, than the progressive side. But it's starting to pop percolate. So you have Infowars, Gateway Pundit, Breitbart, Rebel Media. Uh, you have citizen journalists like Jack Posobiec, uh, Mike Cernovich, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, on, the, on the progressive side, you even have the Young Turks. I don't listen to the show, but I'll tell you, they're, you know, they're likely more hip and advanced than their, their legacy counterparts, CNN, MSNBC. That's right. So and they have they have like a blood feud against uh, Infowars, but you know what? They're they're new media, so I wish them the best. So, um, but those are the people that are taking the mantle from the I call them the intellectual elites of the of the of the right. Uh, you know, it's, I'm sorry. You know, a lot of part they're doing it with their cell phones, right? And that's how they're doing it. They're getting out there, you know, actually to these marches, protests. You know, they're taking out their cell phones. They're using technology. Right, things that you would have had to have a hundred thousand dollar camera in a live satellite feed. You can have a couple hundred dollar cell phone in a you know a Facebook account, not or or you're saying a Twitter, a Periscope account. So Periscope is exploding. That's how a lot of these people tape their segments. You don't need, like you said, you don't need ten cameras and a film crew. You just need a tripod to hold your phone still. You know, a lot of these people do Facebook Live. Um, they will tape something on Periscope. They'll have a YouTube channel. Those start to gather steam. They then develop sources inside of some of the Alphabet Soup agencies. It starts off with friends. Then it you know it escalates to, oh, well, this person actually likes what you're doing. They're going to start feeding me information. I can be an informant for you. And now it's to the point where these people have Im- embedded sources in the White House in DHS, in CIA, FBI, NSA, they are whistleblowers in waiting, and they get these little scoops out so that you and I, Steve, will know by reading Mike Cernovich's Twitter feed exactly what Tomorrow News' headline is going to be and how we can, you know, debunk it and, and how we can get around it. And that's that's the old media not being able to keep up because they will, they take 
a long time to edit and splice because it's going to be very milk toast and bland by the time it makes its way out. And, and the old names that used to be the intellectual wing of like the Republican Party are being like made fun of. It's great watching National Review, Weekly Standard, uh, the old intellectual elites like George Will, Charles Krauthammer, Bill Kristol, Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, Jonah Goldberg, old, you know, white men who are just like a couple steps behind. They have C-minus quality comebacks. They thought getting an intellectual philosophical debates with liberals was going to help get Republicans elected, and it didn't work. They were just, they were super nice. They didn't want to stoop to the other people's level. They were just, they were general cucks. And we saw cuckery in 2008, 2012. We saw, I mean, Bush was an underwhelming Republican establishment guy. Being nice and being the intellectual types like the Ben Shapiro, who's not even 35 years old, um, even he's starting, he used to be new media. Now he's getting pushed into legacy media because he'll do intellectual debates with people. No one wants to do that. It's boring. It doesn't energize people. And it's done in like gym class and town halls. It's not entertaining. You know, going after the jugular is entertaining. Calling people out for hypocrisy is entertaining. Um, but these guys just don't get it. And that's why they're getting their ass kicked. I mean, really getting their asses kicked. Handed to them. You know, and, I, and I've heard... And I've, I've heard and I've read on numerous occasions where, you know, a lot of these cuck journalists that are hired right out of these cuck schools, you know, they have these journalist degrees, they are, a lot of them are in debt, and they really get there and find out that integrity and all of that shit that they learned in school, it doesn't really mean anything, right? They're at, they're at, behel- they're at the behest of their corporate masters, right. you know, at WAPO or the New York Post, New York Post, I mean, the New York Times, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so they're really jealous uh, because a lot of them are millennials. They have to be because they're paying them no money and they're telling them what to do, right? So a lot of these millennials, you know, they want to be out there with their cell phones and doing a lot of this stuff that, you know, uh, you know, Alex Jones and InfoWars and these people are doing, but they're, you know, their corporate overlords won't let them do it. Right. And, and actually, you know what? You, you bring up a point. You have young millennials who are ready, willing, and able to do it. On the right, the libertarian side, they're going to go be active rebel media types. They'll be citizen journalists. Where does everyone on the left end up going if they can't hack it at the big wigs? They go to fucking BuzzFeed. They go to fucking BuzzFeed. And they write articles. What Disney princess are you? You know? And and they do unfunny sketch comedies. Uh, It's just... That's where they go. Instead of using their time and their intelligence and their their goodwill and their good heart and their positive intent for informational investigative research and reporting on Periscope, they go to BuzzFeed where they have to check their opinions and beliefs at the door and, and inherit a, a worldview that is very progressive. And it just... They write for clicks. That's what they're doing. They're writing for clicks. That's right. The new, the, the new old school is how do we write clickbait headlines and you know get as many eyeballs on this stuff so we can hawk our shitty ads right right and if it means we have to do quizzes to see you know what ferris bueller character you are and you know um go over different millennial buzzword lingo i mean that's what they're doing instead of using it for productive periscope tapes you know 
it, it, right. it, it's very sad to watch. It's very sad to watch. And these are the low info voters that we always rail against, right? I mean, I see, I see BuzzFeed as the epitome of low information voters. Anyone that's getting their news from BuzzFeed, and I've always railed on BuzzFeed because I just don't think they're they're trying to be hip and trying to be everything to everybody, and they fall so incredibly short. And and you read some of these articles, and they're they're some of the dumbest things you've ever read. Contrast that with a zero hedge article, which is written and you know sourced and linked well and yes. well re and graphs. Right. And then you actually read the, for what I do to keep myself honest, I'll read a zero hedge article and then I'll read the comments because the comments will help steer the article, whether it's a bullshit article or if there's something to it and I'll get a well-rounded opinion. Buzzfeed, New York Times, they're all repressing the comment sections. Hey, well, no, they're, well, it, it, you know, okay, it's either that or Ross, the other side, which is kind of even the same thing or worse, is it's all groupthink, right? To your point, there are independent thinkers on, on a, a, like a site like Zero Hedge, which will comment on those posts and call it bullshit or not, but right? Do you think there's really anybody on the left that's calling out anything that's being put out by the Washington Post or the New York Times, the Boston Globe or the LA Times? No. 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 It's, it's sports ball news. It is. It's echo it's chamber. It's echo chamber. That's right. You know, it, it, no, and that's part of the, you know, and that's part of like what's going on, and I call it the indoctrination of college, and why I brought it up to you. Like, I wanted to say that if I had kids right now, I could very well say with a straight face that they would be homeschooled. They wouldn't be put into public schools at all. They would either be homeschooled or they would put into a special private school uh, that would. Do none of this nonsense, and no way would they be directed to go to any of those type of quote unquote private or public colleges that we think of, because those are what we're seeing complete indoctrination uh, factories. There is something that there's a there is a direct line that connects all of these people together. It is that they are the population that quote unquote went to college and got educated, and they got brainwashed. Is what it is. It's complete groupthink. There's not one of them that can stand out amongst their peers and go, hey, this is ridiculous. Let's cut it out, right? Right. Because they screamed at and they've been literally taught since we were in school, sit down and shut up. Right. Number one, two, five, seven, seven, zero. Right? Right. And, and that's what it is. It's almost Orwellian. And it's just, it's it's group, it's group think 101. Um, and I'll, re I'll I like to read comments. I like to see what people think and how they digest an article. It helps me become more well-rounded. I don't want to just take a headline and run with it for the day. I want to read the article and then read what the comments are saying, so I can see if it's a bullshit piece. And and when they you know they repress the comments and it's groupthink 101 and this is why Donald Trump sucks. And you know you you always hear about the occasional journalist that says, oh none of pe none of the people I work with are voting for the Republican candidate. Well, because ninety percent of you in the tank for the Democrat, you know, it's like the professor that says ninety percent of my friends in, in the teaching profession are all going to vote Democrat. It's going to be a blowout. Well, no, no, because you're in an echo chamber. You're in an echo chamber, and they circle wagons, and they don't want to admit they're wrong, and that they are in an echo chamber. It's a certain pride thing. College campuses are the worst echo chamber that's out in the country right now. Right. So you get to pay six. 
six figures to get indoctrinated. Um, it's it's a very interesting and and eighty percent of those that graduate with a college degree do some vocation different from what they majored in. I'm one of them, um, and and this is what happens. There, there's there's misalignment. What's that? I started off with a hundred twenty thousand, and then I had my wife had uh, one year of tuition because she got good scholarship stuff, but I had to pay hers. Um, so what is that about a hundred fifty? Hundred, hundred forty, hundred fifty. Yeah. So one hundred forty and one hundred fifty, and you didn't even do what you went to college and got your degree for. Right. So that's Bullshit. And what else did she do? Did she do the same thing, or did she do it? Which well, we were both we were both marketing majors. Um, we got married right after she graduated. I'm a year older than her, and then she had a baby. We had our son a year later, so she was she went to become a full time mom, as was her choice. And so, two marketing majors, and I went on to do all the grad school stuff, but none of it's marketing related. It's all finance related. Two marketing majors, one hundred fifty thousand dollars invested on two marketing majors with no marketing money coming out of it. Yep. And if we did get marketing money, it'd be twenty thousand a year, and we'd be living okay. in in a in a you know a, a can, a tin can. So tell me, so huh, please tell me again how fast you're you're pointing your kids down this this path. <laughs> I think to answer your question without bullshitting you. Uh, we are going to come to the table with each child and say, here's a list of majors that we think would be acceptable for you and that we would fund. If you choose to not do these majors, uh, consider a different vocation. We will still love you. We will not judge you. But you better have a good idea about what you want to do because you're not living in our house past the age of 24. And however you want to do that, go for it. Shit, how about freaking 18? Uh, tw- yeah, if they don't go to school, they'll be out by 21. Um, but, you know, something like that. And I haven't cleared this with my wife, and she'll probably slap me when she hears what I'm saying. But <laughs> the truth comes out. No, but but no, but she, we've had these same conversations. We've had the same conversation you and I are talking about right now. Um, or, you know, the conversation around here in eastern Pennsylvania, FEMA Camp Region 3, uh, is do you go to community college for two years and then transition to an undergrad at the more expensive ones? That way you've undercut, you've taken the general electives at cheaper schools and you can focus on areas that you want at the, the undergrad higher higher quality education. That's also an option. That would have been out of the ordinary in Duxbury, Massachusetts, but is now acceptable in 2017. Interesting. So, just throwing it out there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's I, I want to do a podcast about how to fix the college thing. That's its own friggin' episode. Yeah, yeah. you start, uh, you know, I mean, the private ones aside, the public ones, you make them pay for their own stuff. Yep. Or else you open it back up to the free market of ideas. Right, Very exactly. Cool. Exactly. So, um, all right, so right now we're at the 42 minute mark. I think, um, would you do you do you have any closing thoughts on why old media is getting their dicks kicked in? Well, I mean, we touched on pretty much a lot of the a lot of the big points on why that's happening. Right. Um, oh, do you want to do you want to talk about how they're trying? So, w- what role does like the Comedy Central come into the to play? 
the John Stewart coaching tree, as I call it. You know, you know the. I, mean, I think that they've been armed, uh, you know, and, and deployed out to, you know, be some of the biggest, you know, hashtag resistance, uh, you know, our, uh, resistance army against Trump. Um, I don't find them funny anymore. You know, it's it's sad, right? Like I, I watch a bunch of those guys where I used to really laugh. With, uh, you know, I laughed with those guys, and I thought that they were funny. And it's like they've they've all turned their act into anti-Trump. It's, it's almost nuts. It's almost like, I. it's funny, Ross, it's like you were saying, like, I wouldn't want to live in that bubble. I couldn't. I no. would be, I, it's too icky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, like, I, 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 I'm just somebody who sticks up for other people, and it's like, they lost the heart, right? Like, they're, you know, and some people, people are going to have to just like, stop you guys, you know, like, leave Trump alone, you're bullying him. Well, that was what turned you on to the Trump side of things, right? The, the whole bully yeah, well, thing. I caught that early, right? Yeah. yeah. I caught that early. Yeah. Uh, I had a problem with that. I have a problem with anybody bullying anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, no matter who it is. Um, that, that's an in, that is a very interesting take. But you're right, though. I mean, so if you so what I think they're doing is they're they're seeing old media getting beat up. So the the Comedy Central's, the SNL's, the Bill Mars, the late night comics of the world. I mean, John Stewart's coaching tree alone has Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert, Larry Wilmore, Samantha Bee, John Oliver. They look different. They have different private parts, skin colors, and accents, but it's the same friggin' brand of humor. That's it's right. over the top. I, 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 I can laugh at any joke. If you want to make fun of Trump, go for it. But if you're not doing the same zeal when you made fun of Hillary or Bernie Sanders or Nancy Pelosi or or Maxine Waters, or John McCain, or Mitch McConnell, or Mitt Romney, or, you know, whoever. If you have the same intensity in your satire and your sarcasm, God bless you. I'm, I'm going to laugh, and I'm going to likely watch your show more than I do now, which is never. But when 80% of your monologue is aimed at a Republican, independent of who's leading the White House, um, now you're pissing off half of your would-be audience, and they're going to take their... Before it becomes propaganda. It becomes it's now, propaganda. Uh, it's, not, it's not even entertainment anymore. It's not television. It's propaganda. Right. It's scary. Right. And you've seen what SNL's been doing. I mean, yes, they parodied Bernie. They parodied Hillary. But if you actually notice and watch the skits, they don't parody their policy. They parody what they think people want you to say about them. Hillary Clinton is all-powerful. Bernie Sanders has this Brooklyn voice. And... You know, they don't talk about the policy, the policy. They just, they caricature them by the pantsuits and the, the, the Jewy voice, the Brooklyn Jew voice, you know, with Trump, it's all policy, racist, 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 bigot, bigot, bigot. Republicans are always incompetent, stupid boobs. The Democrats are always the adult in the room, but they might be a little boring or they might talk a lot, you know, or they may be, um, you know. Uh, the, the way they portrayed Slick Willie playing the, the saxophone and being a smooth, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just a, like a Rico Suave type. But whenever it's a Republican, they're incompetent boobs, they're stupid, strategery, blah, blah, blah. It's the same template, and they're still using it. And now SNL has gone beyond the politician. Now they're just making fun of the whole cabinet of Trump. So Ke- Kellyanne Conway sits funny for three seconds uh, in, a, in a press conference in the White House Oval Office, 
when there's the record number of like black leaders sitting around Trump excitedly signing a bill, that gets lost in the shuffle because Kellyanne Conway sat funny, you know, and they'll 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 pillory that a couple days later on SNL and they'll make fun of Bannon, which is actually funny. Then they'll make fun of Spicer. Then they'll make fun of um, uh, the they haven't made fun of Pence that much, but they'll make fun of pre but they'll make fun of the whole entire staff. Um, but they wouldn't dare do that for the Obama administration. They wouldn't dare have Joe Biden groping people and kissing people's necks and getting a little bit too close in a, in a skit. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't go there because why would they? They, they, have a, they wanted Hillary to win. Um, I hear Alec Baldwin's actually annoyed with what he's doing. He kind of wants to move on. Um, that's just how they are. They don't have anything original anymore. So they just go 80% of the time they go hard against the, the Republicans because they're the resistance crowd. Right. And you're not being intellectually honest. You're not being comedically honest. All hands should be on deck for humor. You see this with The Onion. I've gone and commented on Onion articles before where I've said, funny, that was funny making fun of Ben Carson. I laughed really hard. That was great. Can you guys make fun of Bernie and Hillary more instead of just making it look like they're powerful, power hungry? Because that, to some people, that's actually a compliment. You know, and I got destroyed. I was the pervert that lived in a basement. I was the loser with pimples. I got, I got destroyed. And I, I haven't, like, I, I still, I can laugh at the Mike Huckabee stuff. They make him look like some Arkansas hick. And it was hilarious. But do the same thing for Hillary or Huma or Anthony Weiner. And their version of satire on a Democrat was a slap on the wrist. Whereas their satire on a Republican was a bazooka and a missile. And it's that nuance that a lot of people miss because they just, oh, John Stewart makes fun of everybody equally. No, he doesn't. He never did. Yeah, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So, that's that's my take. That's my hot take. So, it is, uh, it's one of, it's one of my favorite things to do is to troll. I don't know why. I, you're I getting. You're so trolling. good at it. I see your Boston Globe trolling. It's fantastic. Why do you? Why do I get so much? Uh, why do I get so much happiness out of it? Because you can maintain, like, composure. You don't get bent out of shape. If you can raise someone else's blood pressure by dumping facts and data without emoting, you've expertly trolled someone. And it makes them crazy. It makes them crazy. It makes them so crazy, and then they just go away. It's so funny. Like, they just stop because they're like, ah, I'm not going to get you to tell me to fuck myself, and then I can scream at you more. Like, Right, right. Oh, you must be a racist, racist deplorable. Why don't you go to a Klan meeting? And it's like... Oh, I've, been call, I've, been called, I've been called racist, deplorable, trumpeter, like, uh, xenophobic, uh, homophobic. Every... And you're... You're one of the most liberal people I know, open-minded liberal people I know. And if you're getting called a racist, homophobe, Islamophobe, we got a problem. Well, hey, I mean, if you get to know me uh, after two Facebook posts and you know, obviously, who I am and what I stand for, then I mean, I guess that tells a lot about you, right? Yep, yep. So, it's very interesting. They're now on the defensive. They're not used to being on the defensive. They don't have the media narrative anymore. And they're lashing out like a five-year-old who hasn't had a nap. And doesn't want to eat their, their squash and peas. Right. You want to give the Debbies their little pinky. <laughs> you guys had a nice fun day at the playground. We had to leave early and you threw a tantrum. And you haven't napped. And you need to finish your peas and carrots. 
and then you're going to go to bed, but then we're going to give you a bath before then, and you don't want to do any of it. So you scream, you spit, you cry, you blow snots everywhere, you throw shit around, you knock dishes off the table. And That's right, and because of that, we're going to get big old hunky Trumpy to come in and spank your booty before you go to bed. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And if you keep it up, you're going to be punished for eight years. That's eight right. long Definitely years. four years. Definitely four years. Go to your rooms, but it could be eight. Right. You, you go in your room and you think about it. You go and think about what you've done. And what we said earlier about losing four elections that were supposed to be bellwether referendums. Um, so, interesting. A very good show tonight. We're at the 51-minute mark. We're going to tape tomorrow, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, so we'll release this tonight. It's 9 o'clock now. This will be released by like 9.15. Uh, and then to those that are listening, we are going to be setting up an iTunes, a Facebook page, a web page, all of the above. So All of those things. All of those things. And, and all of them things. It's going to look really neat when it's all done. So until until and for, you, and for you fantasy and for you fantasy football fans, uh, I have a fantasy football podcast coming out called Fantasy Football Coast to Coast. Ooh, tell us more! Tell us more! Oh yeah, well it's going to be coming out soon within the next week. The first episode's going to drop, and uh, we'll have more information as it comes up. Maybe we'll have be a sponsor of this one. Wow, I like the fact that this is a network that's now building. That's right, FF Coast to Coast, and we also got the Sports Ball Podcast, uh, wow. Sports Ball Politics Podcast. I'm liking where this is headed. Ooh, Rossi, likey. Do, do you smell a media empire at some point, Steve? Yeah, I smell, uh, I smell a little bit of a media thing going on here, Ross. We have a lot of content creation happening. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, okay, on that note, Steve-O, I will talk to you tomorrow, but I'll push this out tonight. And we will red pill again tomorrow. Okay. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okay, thanks for coming. Take care, folks. Bye-bye, then. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye.